and welcome to another special edition of the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFord, joined by Sabrina Merchant, one of our athletic women's basketball writers and one of the hosts of the brand new athletic women's basketball show. Sabrina, welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. This is a crossover episode, although I don't think it's going to come out on your feed. We're, we're going to keep it for us. How, how's everything going? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, this is my favorite part of the show. It's where we act like we didn't just talk for 20 minutes before <laughs> we started recording. So uh, the the Athletic Women's Basketball Show, you guys just launched on September 1st. Uh, you're going to be once a week. Is that correct? Going, We're actually going to be twice a week oh, going forward. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the write-up I read said once a week, so I, I apologize for not having the right information. Twice a week is much better. So what's the goal of the show? Is it just women's basketball, meaning WNBA? Are you guys going to wind up doing college? What's the plan going forward? Yeah, so just uh, you know, a note on the cadence first. It, it is once a week right now because the first two weeks are just on Fridays. So we'll you know forgive you that. But starting next week, it'll be coming on Tuesdays and Fridays. So lots of you know women's basketball goodness. Right now, that means WNBA because we're at the end of the regular season heading into the playoffs. But Throughout the year, we're going to get into women's college basketball, maybe a little of the international game, you know, because the Olympics and the World Cup are such big deals on the women's basketball side. So just really all the big leagues in women's basketball are going to be covered on this show. Uh, It just so happens that we're launching during WNBA playoffs. So that's our focus for the first few episodes. Yeah. uh, Who else is on the show with you? Yeah. So the host is Zena Keita, um, one of our employees at The Athletic, and then I will have a rotating cast of guests between myself, Ben Pickman, Chantel Jennings, who form our women's basketball staff at The Athletic. And we're actually hiring a new writer. So that person will also be joining at some point. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the idea. So I want you to just fill me in on the WNBA season. I know the playoffs start next week. And, you know, frankly, I, I don't have the bandwidth to follow until it's playoff time. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just going to say from, from my, uh, you know, little bit of knowledge, Looking over the athletic and just reading the stories for the last few weeks, trying to get ready for the playoffs. Tell me why anybody should care about any teams except for the Aces and Liberty, because it seems like that's all anybody wants to talk about or any any of the teams that have any sort of a shot. It seems like we're destined for Aces Liberty in the finals. You know, I might not be the right person to persuade you to follow a different team other than the Aces and the Liberty, because here at The Athletic, we have spent most of the WNBA season talking about those two very teams in our Super Squad series. You know, I've been in Las Vegas a lot. Our co-writer Ben Pickman has been in New York, you know, basically telling all of the stories possible we can about the Aces and the Liberty, because not only are they the best teams on the court, they are the best teams off the court. Like, these are the two teams who are setting the standard for how player experience should look in the WNBA. And... You know, on the podcast, we talk a lot about basketball. That's the plan. But a lot of it is also just the infrastructure and like the issues that are facing the WNBA. There's an episode this week that's going to come out about WNBA travel, which I know is a topic that uh, people have a lot of opinions about. So, you know, that's that's just the kind of thing that like the Aces and the Liberty are trying to solve, that the rest of the WNBA is sort of being forced to come along with them. But as far as the basketball, I mean, if you were to take the top 15 players in the league, I think eight of them would be from the starting lineups of the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces, maybe nine. Like these are, these are all-star teams. These are super teams for lack of a better word. Like 
there's just so much consolidation of talent on these two rosters and they've looked the part because there are only four teams that are currently above 500 in WNBA. And that's because New York and the aces are just hogging all of the wins. <laughs> like these are the two teams that just happen to be doing basketball better than anybody else. The top two MVP candidates come from these two teams. I'm, I assume like other awards, like sixth player of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year. A lot of them are going to come from these two teams as well. As much as I would love to say that like, oh yeah, you know, the Dallas wings could totally take out the Liberty in a three game playoff series, or, you know, keep an eye on the Washington mystics. If the finals don't include Las Vegas and New York, something has gone terribly wrong. And that's what we want to see. Wow. You know, okay. all those years that NBA teams wanted to see golden state and Cleveland in the finals. Like this, this is what we want to see. That's what you want to see. I don't know if the other teams in the WNBA Even want to see Even not the other it. 10 teams. But. Right. Now, th- so you wrote a story the be- kind of the beginning of the season about how WNBA player freedom and, and this newfound era of freedom mm-hmm. for these players is-, is going to open more doors for super teams. I mean, is there room in the WNBA for maybe a third or a fourth super team next year? I mean, is this... I mean, do I now need to follow WNBA off seasons also to be ready for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think the WNBA offseason really wasn't a thing up until maybe three years ago. And now there's actually the option for players to be unrestricted free agents and change teams. And with an expanded salary cap, there's more room for stars to, you know, group together if they want to in any particular location. I think, though, you'll see like the, the seedlings for the next super team based on who gets the next best number one draft pick. Because, you know, the Aces, they have three number one picks that they selected in a row. And that's why they have the core of this super team, because you got to select Kelsey Plum and Asia Wilson and Jackie Young in back-to-back-to-back seasons. And you look at the New York Liberty, and they got to take Sabrina Nescu, and that's you know the foundation of everything that's come in the last three years. So I think there's definitely room for another super team. It's just if Caitlin Clark gets drafted by the Seattle Storm, that's the place you want to take a look at. You know, If Paige Beckers gets drafted by the Minnesota Lynx, that's the place we're looking. I mean, how many, like, how many leagues... Can you say a a rookie, a number one pick can make that much of an impact? I mean, I I think that this is one of those things you you mentioned before we started recording that it's like third year MVPs is like a thing in the WNBA. Mm -hmm. So you could have someone drafted and then build a super team around them. They have that much draw. I absolutely think so. I mean, because college players have to spend four years in college or at least be 22 years old before they're drafted in the WNBA. You're just getting a more complete, polished player in the league when you draft them as opposed to other leagues where you can draft much younger. So you look at Aaliyah Boston, who was taken number one overall by the Indiana Fever this past year, hugely decorated career at South Carolina, multiple National Player of the Year awards. She comes in, she's an all-star starter in her very first season, right? Like maybe the Fever aren't making the playoffs right now, but you add a little bit more talent around her and it's not unreasonable that she could be the MVP in 2025. Yeah. You know, Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart currently in contention for this year's MVP award. Both of them were MVPs in their first, their third year, right? So, like, and Stewie won a title in her third year. Asia Wilson took her team to the finals, only happened to lose to Stewie in that third year. So, players making an immediate impact is just, it's just the way things are done in the WNBA because they're so much closer to their primes once they get out of college. Right. It's more like what the NBA used to be. I mean, Tim mm-hmm. Duncan played four years at, at Wake Forest and then came in as a grown man. And it's right. kind of the same way, right? Like you, you'd not have to go through the whole maturing curve that that young players in the NBA have to do. Mm-hmm. Man, I so now I'm a guy who wishes that the NBA would go back to that. Although either that or get rid of the age 
altogether. I think you go one way or the other. And when you look at how valuable that tool has kind of been for the WNBA, where it's not as risky to take anybody in a top five situation or to trade Mm -hmm. up even because you're, you know, kind of what you're getting by the time they, they make it to the WNBA. So that for, for people coming over from the NBA, trying to get into the WNBA, I think that that's something really important to note is that they come into the league closer to the start of their prime. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman as seen recently styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Exactly. And it makes it so much easier for college fans to directly translate into the WNBA because you know the best players in college are going to be the best players in the WNBA. It's not some random guy who was only getting 10 minutes on the bench because he's got a lot of athletic tools but just wasn't ready to play right now. No, the player of the year last year was Caitlin Clark. She is going to be an all-star in the WNBA within the next three years. Before her was Aaliyah Boston. We've already seen her become an all-star. Like When you get a number one pick, when you get a, a lottery pick, good things are going to happen out of it. Yeah. Uh, so at The Athletic, you guys released part one and part two is coming out today. So if you listen to this mm-hmm. podcast, go and check it out. But you took did the anonymous player poll, mm-hmm. uh, which NBA or which player in the WNBA is the future of the league. And this is interesting. So the best player in five years, as chosen by the players, Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, nowhere to be found. Five years. It's not that be, long. Yeah. I think she's in the also receiving votes. Uh, maybe one vote came for Stewie, which is, is that, wild to me. I was going to say, is this the biggest surprise from from part one of the poll? So honestly, I was thinking like the other end of the age range. To me, it's if we're talking about the best player in five years, maybe I should be thinking about a player who's currently in college. And I get why current WNBA players are loath to say college players when talking about the best player in their league in five right. years. That's fine. I did bring it up a couple of times just like to prod them. No one bit. But as far as Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson, you'll notice that they were run away the top two choices for best player in the league currently. And Brianna Stewart is 29 years old. Asia Wilson is 27 years old. It's not like they're that far apart in age. And yet when we talk about five years from now, Asia Wilson dwarfed Stewie in terms of how many votes she got for the best player in the league. Obviously, Lee Boston factors prominently in there because she is the de facto favorite for rookie of the year all-star this year. Um, I do wonder, like... Brianna Stewart plays a lot more basketball than Asia Wilson does. Asia Wilson is entirely domestic. She does not go overseas during the WNBA offseason. Brianna Stewart loves to go overseas during the WNBA offseason. She is one of the most successful players in EuroLeague, a multi-time EuroLeague MVP. She just won again last year with Fenerbahce. So maybe those extra miles are part of the reason why people don't think she's going to age as well in five years. Um, that's just a consideration that other leagues don't really think about in terms of basketball. But, right. Uh, Maybe that's part of it. You know, Asia Wilson is WNBA only. So maybe, yeah, fewer miles, which is just again, it's a different world when you when you think about what they have to put their bodies through. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think for me, uh, one of the things that actually winds up a little disappointing is that the biggest trash talker in the league is Diana Taurasi. Where, what are the, who's going to take the crown when she's not there anymore? Well, who's yeah, the next generation of trash talkers? Because I, listen, I watch enough highlights that I see the trash <laughs> talk. I mean, when someone gets their ankles broken, there's a lot of trash talking. So who's going to take that crown? And is that going to be a college yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we ran this poll four years ago, the same anonymous WNBA player poll, and Diana Taurasi's lead in trash talk actually grew over the last four years, um, which makes me sad about like the potential influx of trash talkers that have not made any dent on Diana Taurasi. Because like, let's be real, D is not as good as she was four years ago, and for her to still be talking this much trash like does not speak well for the rest of the league. Well, if your quality of play goes down, <laughs> the trash talk has to go up. You've got to try to break their confidence. So, you know, I, I'm with her on that. I mean, you know, stick yeah. with it. She's there are for a few a players, a few like, you know, shooting guard, Tarazi light players like Kelsey Plum was the leading scorer in college basketball history. Uh, very, you know, models her game after what Tarazi has done. I think there was there was some, you know, some votes in her favor for Kelsey Plum. Uh, I think Courtney Williams probably has a leg up here. Just a funnier trash talker, I would say, than Diana Tarazi. But, you know, I do wonder if like Haley Van Lith or Caitlin Clark or Angel Reese probably should name some players who are not <laughs> Louisiana State. Tigers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Super teams going to co- yeah. women's college basketball too. So yeah. that I mean they're they're ready for the WNBA. There's but, there's a lot of personality on the college side. I think one of them might be the heir apparent. Yeah, that's how it feels to me too. And, and it, again, it's it seems like the rise in women's basketball and and it, it's starting in college. If you ask, mm-hmm. me. I mean last year's tournament got as much buzz as the men's tournament has gotten in years. When, when you consider the quality of play and, and the, the heights that some of the players are at. I mean, again, playing four years in college allows you to build momentum and, and establish a name. Caitlin Clark coming into the WNBA, I don't know what the WNBA looks like once she gets there. She is sort of going to be, you know, there's Steph Curry. But it may even be more like Victor Wimbanyama as far as the way that the league changes, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. you can envision Victor Wimbanyama completely changing the, the future of the, the NBA. I think mm-hmm. Caitlin Clark is a similar character coming into the WNBA. I mean, this is just, I'm fascinated by how that's going to work. Yeah, I would agree. It's a very big driven league in the WNBA right now. I think most teams run their offenses through their power forwards, which, you know, is entirely like antithetical to what the NBA does or what men's college basketball does. All of the best players that we're talking about are mostly power forwards. Uh, So for someone like Caitlin to come in, someone like Paige to come in, uh, just changing the game from that perimeter position just hasn't happened in a very long time. So I think you're absolutely right in terms of just changing the geometry of the court, the way the offense is run, like where sets are starting. It, I can't wait. Well, get, just get ready to use the word gravity over and over and over. That's, I mean, her whole game. And, you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording and we've talked about this before, but, you know, women's NCAA division one, I think is the best basketball league in, in the States. I mean, just period. As far as like just a guy who likes basketball and wants to sit and watch basketball. I just don't get to watch it very often. Has the WNBA flirted with the idea of adopting all the rules from, from women's college basketball? Cause they work so well for game flow. And I think, as a spectator of the sport, if you're just watching as a fan of basketball or whatever, women's college basketball has it figured out from a from a viewer experience. I, I would love for the WNBA to just steal all of that. 
I think flow wise, it's mostly the same. There's a couple of variations in terms of like timeouts and like uh, if, if the ball goes off of somebody, like the ref can change it. If it was a foul, like that's, that's one rule I actually love in the WNBA. Like if the yeah. ball goes off of a certain team, but you realize it was actually off of them because they were fouled, you can just give it to the other team without having to call the foul. <laughs> that's great. Nice. That's spirit of the game stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. There. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, college ball WNBA mostly on the same page in terms of like the 10 minute quarters and, you know, the fouls, not having the single bonus nonsense of the men's side, but yeah, I, I would agree. Just flow of the game works so well on the side of the aisle. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more fun to watch. That's for sure. Well, Sabrina, everybody go and check out her work over at the athletic subscribe to the athletic women's basketball show, wherever you listen to podcasts, playoff starting. And these games are so good when it comes to playoff time. I mean, best of three series, the NBA, they just play too much. They play too long. Add some drama. So, Sabrina, thanks for coming on the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Uh, for Sabrina Merchant, I'm Dave DeFore, and we'll catch you guys later on this week with an episode of Nerder. Nerder.